excited because today, not be, well, I'm excited to be here, I'm always excited to be here, but I'm excited today especially because, um, um, because we're going to the beach after the service. Well, after the curry, we're going to the beach. Who's excited about that? Yeah. Yeah, yes, it's going to be great. Um, Mariah is getting baptised today, and that to me is, uh, as, you know, you hear me say it all the time, all the time, that to me is what it's all about, is when a child of God says, yes, it's now. Uh, my life is now about him. And I want it always to be about him. That's what baptism is. It's, it's, the inward, it's the outward expression of an inward reality where Christ has taken possession of someone's life, someone's heart, someone's soul, soul their will. They're surrendering their, 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 their will to God's will and they're saying, Lord, whatever you want. That's why we do it. We, we go in and we acknowledge that God has done this great work in us and we want to be about him. And so for that reason, I'm changing course this morning. I know last week we we're in Romans chapter 1, as we have been for the past few weeks. Um, and I, last week we saw, uh, we, we did the second part in that little sort of series within a series of, you know, um, the downward spiral of... of um, of a society or the downward spiral towards unbelief. And, um, and we saw that uh, symptomatic of a culture or not just a culture of an individual, as someone who has rejected God's revelation of himself, who has rejected God's truth, God's word. It's symptomatic within that person, within that society. Paul exposes three symptoms and one, of course, was immorality, remember? Sensuality becomes a god unto people. And connected to that, of course, was idolatry. And beyond that, he then gave, spoke of, uh, of uh, a culture turning away from the, the, the God-intended, God-designed purpose of man and woman. And, and he began to speak about homosexuality. And I said to you last week that we would continue in that this morning. Um, continue into what I wanted to talk to you about. I'm just sort of giving the heads up before I excuse myself from it. Um, is how do we respond to that in our culture today as Christians? You know, because there's a lot of arguments thrown at us. You know, and, and many of them, they'll even use, use your Bible against you. They'll, they'll, they'll go to the Old Testament, they'll pull out things from Leviticus and they'll, and they'll misconstrue what, who God was talking to and why God was saying the things that he was saying. And then they'll come out and they'll call, you know, they'll accuse Paul of being a misogynistic, a homophobic and all this sort of stuff. And, uh, a com and, and so you've got to be able to answer these things. And so that was my intention this morning. We're going to do it next week, okay? So all of the people that stayed away to avoid that, no, they didn't. No. Uh, we're going to do that next week. This morning, I want to visit... I want to stay in Romans, but I want to visit a familiar passage, passage that we've been in before, because we're going to the beach and because we're going to baptise someone. And baptism is all about new beginnings, isn't it? You know? It's about the new beginnings, about that confession. So I want to encourage Mariah and anybody else that's in the room that maybe hasn't been baptised, it's not too late. It's never too late. Um, uh, it'll be a, the water will be warmer than the outside. So, um, so go to Romans chapter 12 with me, if you will. And I want to talk about new beginnings. And when I talk about new beginnings, I'm not talking about making resolutions because Mariah is not simply making a resolution. You know, that's something that the world does on January 1, isn't it? Uh, well, January 1, and they generally forgot about it by the evening of January 1. 
Um, that's a resolution. No, that's not what we're talking about. Not talking about changing jobs and getting new direction for life. Not talking about getting a second job in order to be able to pick up my lifestyle. I'm not talking about pursuing new relationships or changing my image to becoming something that I'm not. That's not what we talk about when we talk about new beginnings. No, no, no. I'm talking about leaving, and this is what baptism this is what baptism is saying. I'm talking about leaving an unsurrendered life behind. You know that life of struggle to please God in my own strength? You know that, that life? It's that life of compromise. It's that life of insecurity about my relationship with God. I'm talking about leaving that behind and exchanging that for the nourishing consecration to Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about. And I believe that is what is within the heart of Mariah this morning. That's what she is saying to this world, to this church, to her God. I'm coming to feed upon you. I'm going to live with you. I'm going to depend upon you all the days of my life. Would you agree with that? Yes. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, we just thank you for this day and this opportunity to be together, to worship you, to honour you, to acknowledge your presence within our life, to say to you, Lord, we need you desperately, to acknowledge Holy Spirit without you, we, 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 we simply cannot do this life. And so, Spirit of God, I thank you for, for, for taking a hold of our hearts. I thank you, Lord, for your word that just ministers to us each and every day. I thank you, Father, this day we can gather in this place and we can extol the name of Jesus Christ your son and we can say that he is enough and he always will be enough so thank you father for this wonderful truth that has captured us and changed us and is transforming us and making us more than we could ever be apart from you thank you for that work Lord I pray that you would bless us today Bless my brothers and sisters. Be with those that are not with us today. Those that are traveling, Lord, may you watch over them and keep them, Father. Um, But but wherever they may be and whatever they may be doing, may your presence be so very real in their life, Father. I want to pray for the Abby, Abigail, Lord, and just pray, Father, your hand upon her to, Lord, just to strengthen her, to work in her little frame and bring about, Lord, that wholeness. And, Father, that just, just raise this little girl up, Father. Thank you, Father, for mum and dad, that you would comfort their hearts and keep them in this time. And, and Lord, for anybody else in our fellowship, Lord, uh, who's maybe unsure about things, I thank you that you are the answer and you always will be the answer. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Um, So, it's all about knowing... um, It's all about knowing God and his will for my life. That's what this Christian walk is about. It's knowing that the very best that you and I can possibly have is to be fully committed to him, to Jesus Christ. And uh, I know you've heard these things before, but they've got to become so much more than platitudes, don't they? They've got to become so much more. They've got to become reality. And so this idea of a new beginning um, is where 
we say that's truth to ourselves, to our, in our hearts, to God. And, and, and we lay aside all of, the, all of the self-justification and we lay aside all of the excuses and we acknowledge that without him we can do nothing. And we say, Lord, I am just completely and totally dependent upon you and I lay myself down upon his altar. That's new beginning, you know. That's new beginning. So Romans chapter 12, these verses that we've visited over the years is worth visiting again this morning. So it's chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. Will you read it with me? The Apostle Paul says, I beseech you, or I beg you, therefore, um, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, that is holy and well-pleasing unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, And be not conformed to this world or to this age, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, again, that well-pleasing and perfect will of God. Now, here's the thing. Because that, what we just read, because that is the very best that we can have, the scripture begins with, I beseech you. And I think Paul rightly begins there, which is, again, I beg you. I've said this to you many times. It's, 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 it's the words of the Apostle Paul through inspiration of the Spirit of God to you and I. It's the Spirit of God leaning into you and saying, this is so incredibly important. Therefore, I beseech you. I beg you. I beg you, therefore, by the mercies of God. And that's important. That's where we start. I beg you, by the mercy, therefore, by the mercies of God. The idea being that my full commitment to God is based upon nothing less than God's mercy towards me. Would you think about that? See, if you don't understand the mercies of God and what God has done for you, if you don't understand that, then we can't enter into that dependency upon him. I don't believe that. I don't believe we can do it. You think about the mercy upon mercy that you as a child of God have received. Think about it. Just spend a little bit of time in Romans chapter 8 to understand just how merciful God has been to each and every single one of us. God has been so good to us. He has, well, the Bible says he has justified us. You know what that means, don't you? God has justified you. It means that you have been forgiven of all of your sin. And now you stand before God as if you have never, ever sinned, nor ever will. You are identified. That's the position that God sees you in. Certainly the practicality of that has been worked out in our lives. Certainly we are growing in an understanding of obedience and humility and submitting ourselves to the will of God. Certainly we stumble. And yes, we still sin. But as far as God... God is concerned and what God has done for you upon the cross, he now sees you as forgiven, past, present and future. And now you can have the confidence knowing that, that nothing can therefore separate you from his love. That's, that's, that's where Romans takes us to that place because of what he has done through his great love and his mercy towards you. Therefore, there's nothing that can separate you from him because it's of, as verse 32 of the previous chapter of Romans tells us, it says of the depth and the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God because he has loved you with such unsearchable ways. 
Because God has done what the scripture says to us. Therefore, we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. That's the place where we begin. That's the place of new beginnings. You know, Isaac Watts, I know um, a lot of us don't uh, sing necessarily some of the, too many of those old hymns. Or I think we should sing more of them, quite frankly. But Isaac Watts, Isaac Watts said, when I survey the wondrous cross. You know that song? You know, with the words, he said, love so amazing, so divine. He said, it demands my soul, my life, my all. You see, he understood the persuasive power of God's divine mercy. It simply is the most powerful spiritual incentive there is to follow and serve God. And the truth is, until we experience his mercy, I do not believe we can go anywhere. We can go anywhere with it in God. We simply, we simply can't. If my experience in God is based upon anything else other than the fact that I don't deserve, this is what mercy is, right? that I don't deserve what God has given me, then I can't grow. And I won't grow. I won't grow. I should be in awe. That's why we come and worship in this place. That's why we lay our lives down for the sake of him and his people. That's why we have a burden for the lost souls. We should be in awe of his merciful forgiveness towards us. Think about it again. The mercy that has been poured out upon your lives. Think about it for a second. Because now he says, therefore, based upon that, present your bodies. And when he says present your bodies, he's talking about far more than skin and bone. But Well, it includes that. Far more than skin and bone. It signifies everything that we are. Your body is the instrument of the spirit. Isn't that right? You know? And being spirit, you serve God through this body. You know, some people call it a spacesuit. You know, some people have all sorts of terminologies for it. It doesn't matter what you want to call it. It's there for the purpose, for the purpose of serving God, the spirit of God within you, serving him through this instrument. Always remember, always remember this. And I don't know who said it first, but it's well worth repeating. Always remember, your body is an excellent servant. Your body is a great servant. Your body is designed to be a servant. That's how God called us. That's why God called us to serve. But realize at the same time, while it is the best and most excellent servant, it is such a dreadful, dangerous master. Your body, when it starts dictating, and it should be placated. So present your bodies. It's describing... <clears throat> Excuse me, a totality really of sacrifice. It's picturing, it's taking us back, in fact, to the Old Testament where the sacrifice was placed upon the burnt the bur upon the uh, burning altar, and everything was consumed. And God is begging us to give everything that we are to Him, mind, body, and spirit. We are to give it all to Him as a living sacrifice which of course means to live for him, doesn't it? You know, to live for him as worshipful people. Because the sacrifice, remember, is the place of worship. 
And Paul is talking about worshipful living. Acknowledging that everything we do and say and every action can be as praise and adoration unto our God. Can be an acknowledgement of the fact that there is a God in heaven who watches over me and keeps me and directs me and, and blesses me for a purpose. Everything can and should be about worshipful living. And notice the sacrifice is living and it is holy. It's alive and it's holy. These hands... These feet, these eyes, this mind, this frame, everything about it, they as earlier in Romans, in chapter 6, uh, tells us that they are to be yielded to God as what, people? Do you know? As instruments of righteousness, you know? It's the same plea of God back in Romans 6 as is being pleaded here before us. You know, Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 that we are a holy priesthood and we are to offer up a spiritual sacrifice. It's the same language, isn't it? To offer up a spiritual sacrifice, something acceptable unto God through Jesus Christ. A spiritual sacrifice acceptable unto God through Jesus Christ. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 2, you will see that he had been talking about and saying that child of God, no more, no more malice, no more deceit, no more hypocrisy, no more envy, no more evil speaking. But to the contrary, may our, he will go on to say, but to the contrary, may our, may our good works honour God and glorify God. With our bodies, he's saying, our bodies should make Christ known to this world. As we live righteously, worshipfully before the God of heaven and all mankind. And notice he begs you here to do it once and for all. So it's not a statement, do it one time, but let it be a once and for all. This is it, Lord, from this day forward. Again, baptism doesn't have to be baptism, but what he wants for all of us is a crossroads experience in our life, a crossroads moment when you choose his road for your life. He wants a new beginning. He wants a new beginning. And I can say that to every single one of us in this room. Because who hasn't lived for themselves this week? Who hasn't? Who hasn't honoured themselves over what they know God is calling them to do? Who hasn't done that this week? Hey, look, we'll do it again next week. We'll fail and we will stumble. But if our predetermined position is that I will now live and honour him. You know what? I'm going to be doing it less. There's going to be a greater conviction upon my heart to be holy, to be set apart. If I have a preconceived conviction, decision, this is what it's all about. From this day forward, I choose. I choose. That's new beginning, right? You know? And so he says, present. And when he uses the word present your bodies... It's the idea is just as a bride groom would commit themselves one to another on their wedding day. That's a beautiful scene, isn't it, right? A man and a woman are committing themselves one to another. 
They are beginning a life together. It's a new beginning and they are promising to one another that what they give to one another on this day, it is once and for all and they will never take it back again. Got that picture? That's what Paul is saying here, you know. So this is the plea once and for all. You and I, we make this commitment that our bodies will bring glory to our God who has saved us and been merciful to us. Let it be as Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18 says, a sweet-smelling aroma that is acceptable, an acceptable sacrifice that is well-pleasing. It's the same language, isn't it? That is well-pleasing unto God. When, when Paul was saying that in Philippians, he was talking about the giving heart, giving for the sake of one another. In Hebrews chapter 13, the writer says, offer the sacrifice of praise to God that it would be the fruit of your lips. Everything we say, let it be as praise and adoration to God. Let it be honoring to God. Let it be extolling to God. It just does, it's not just talking about singing songs of praise and adoration, but let the words that come from your mouth glorify the God who has saved you. Don't let it be selfish. Don't let it be about you. Offer the sacrifice of praise to God as the fruit of your lips. And in verse 16, the very next verse in Hebrews chapter 13, he says, do not forget to do good and to share for such is, here it is again, for such is the sacrifice and it is well pleasing unto God. What you do, what you say, who you are, that's what he's asking for. He wants you. He wants all of you. Something else to notice here is that this commitment is your, I love the language, your reasonable service. The, the word reasonable that we get our English word logical from. It's illogical, you know. The idea being this, when you realise who God is, you realise that God's love and God's mercy has been poured out into and upon your life. That God has done everything that he possibly can to save you. The very God of heaven has paid everything that heaven had. I, I love what Jim often prays on Sunday nights. You know, he prays all that heaven had. God gave it all. He was referring to his son, Jesus Christ. You know, God has done everything he can to save you. A God who offers me hope beyond this life. And by contrast... I then realize who I am. Who am I? I'm a sinful, prideful, self-orientated being who has done everything to separate myself from God. That's who I was. That's who I was, you know. And I have no hope beyond this life like that, you see. So what's the logical thing to do? A God who has given heaven to save you, to take you from this life into the next one, into glory... Or a selfish, self-centered existence all about me right now that can't take me beyond the grave. It's logical, isn't it? It's the only smart thing to do. The only reasonable thing to do is to give myself to him. Think it through, people. You probably don't need to, but I'm asking you to. God knows all things. He knows how things are going to end up. And because his wisdom is so much greater than mine, it's simply logical that I give myself to him. 
It's simply logical that I lay it all down and it is completely irrational to turn my back on him and say, well, I'm going to do it my way. Completely irrational to live without him. It's completely irrational to say, okay, God, I'll have this, I'll have that, I'll have this, and I'll have that. But all this stuff over here, well, no, I'm keeping that for myself, right? We go cherry picking in the Bible and we say, well, that's comfortable and that isn't. No, 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 no. It's completely irrational to try and live my life without him, without being fully surrendered to him. Now, verse 2 gives us two commands. And um, the first is negative, and it says, "Do not, therefore, do not be conformed to this world." And the second is positive, but rather you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you need to note they are both a continual action. They are both a continual action. The negative is, "Don't be conformed, continually conformed to this world." The second is a positive, but rather continually be renewed. Excuse me, but be continually transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the first, do not be conformed to this world. It is literally this: don't be, do not conform to the same patterns and the same schemes of this age around us. You see, to conform has the idea of being changed from outward pressures pushing in. And, and you know it, don't you? You experience it every day of your life. There are pr- all kinds of pressures that are placed upon you as a child of God, especially in our culture today especially in our world today, that is, that is really, as I've been sharing the last two weeks, is on that downward spiral to unbelief. That's where our culture is today, and it is already there as far as I'm concerned. You know, I used to argue with people, we're not in a post-Christian world. I used to argue all the time, because there are Christians in the world. There's always a remnant in the world. And that's true, but that world out there is post-Christian. You know, they don't want anything to do with Christ. And so when you live in this world, there is constantly, if you don't feel it, you're not walking for Christ. There is this constant pressure, constant pressure to conform to its ways. They tell you, don't they? Over and over again. Over and over again. We say it every week. Turn your television on. You read books. You read magazines, you listen to people, all they are doing is spewing out this worldly wisdom. Here's the thing, it's so easy to find yourself, if you will give yourself to it, it's so easy to find yourself going, yeah, I kind of understand where you're coming from, you know? But before you know it, and this is the great tragedy, I come across Christians like this all the time, before you know it, they are talking like the world. You'll have no idea... How many conversations I've had this week, how many statements I've heard this week in relationship to my last week's message and homosexuality. How many Christians have been saying, it's okay, they just love one another. God is a forgiving God. God is a compassionate God. His God is not the God of the Old Testament. That's why I want to next week talk to you about how do we respond to these people. But it's amazing how many Christians I've talked to this week and heard from this week and have been commenting on social media this week in response to that one message. 
sounding just like the world, spewing forth the same rubbish of this world. They have been, from outward pressure, they have been squashed, they've been moulded, they've been shaped, you know. You don't want to sound like that, do you? You don't want to talk like that, do you? You don't want to be following the wisdom of that, do you? I sincerely hope not. We need to be thinking with a scriptural world view. See, when we watch the news, when we read about what's going on in this world, when we listen to people, we need to be asking ourselves, well, what does God... I know this sounds basic, but we need to be doing this. What does God say about this? Because if you don't ask that question, you're going to be, you are going to succumb to the pressure of it. But if you ask that question, what does God say about this? You will not succumb to the pressure of this world. You won't. You won't if you listen to him. Because he'll reply. He'll respond. If you go to his word and you ask him what he has to say about these things, you won't be pressurized into this world's mold. You know, it's there all the time, isn't it? You know, the rivalry petition, the grabbing, the self-advancement, all that's out there. People seeing people as opportunities. You know, the pressure is there all the time, insisting that you and I conform. You know, at the end of the day, what the pressure is insisting that you do? That you lay down your godly values. You lay down your biblical principles for the sake of some utopian ideal that they think is going to come about when all the Christians are just out of the way. No, no, no. No, no, no. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 1 verse 4 that this present evil world, and when he refers to this present evil world, he's using a language that is descriptive of a malevolent evil force, godless force that is behind the schemes and the machinations of mankind, the God of this age that the Bible talks about. It's satanic influence in the society all around us. And we are here told that we've got to actively not be conformed by it, but rather we are to be transformed by the renewing, I love this, of the mind. I love this, you know. God is concerned for your mind, Christian. See, too many people think that Christianity is a mind-dumbing or a mind-numbing faith, don't they? But to the contrary, the scripture is all about your mind. It's repeatedly concerned about your mind, that we have a right mind, you know, that, that we have a sound mind, that we have a sober mind over and over again. If you think the Christian mind is not right then you just look at what people will do out there to satisfy their sinly, sinful desires. You just look at the extents they go to. Just talk to a non-Christian just for 10 minutes about morality. If you're brave, and you'll discover they're tweaked. Now their minds are tweaked. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Conformed, as I said, is to be changed by external pressures on us, but transformed is the work of the Spirit of God in our lives from within. And our part in this transformation is to submit our minds for His renewing. And this can only be done in one place and one way. 
through the Word of God. Amen. It's the Word of God. It's the only way it can happen. We can only be done by giving ourselves. That's why I said you've got to constantly be asking the question, what does God say about this situation? And forget about all the justifications that are out there. Forget about them all. What does God say? And so you commune with God in his word. You spend time prayerfully meditating upon the word of God to see what God says, you know. We have to let him capture our minds. That's what he wants to do. He wants your mind. That's what he wants. I mean, and you won't, and, and you won't do that. He can't do that if our minds are, are occupied elsewhere. That's why the scripture is so important. Can I do it? I, I, I never seek to condemn, but can I ask you? Are you in the word? Are you prayerfully in the word? Are you meditating upon the scripture? Do you even know where your Bible is? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But sometimes it has to be asked. You know why I said that? Because there is no way that you can keep from being conformed to this world if you are not being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Either one or the other is taking place right now. And I say those words out of concern. Do you know where your Bible is? Do you know what's in it? Are you meditating upon it? Are you allowing it to speak to you? Are you allowing it to direct your life? It's so vitally important. Choice is very much mine. Choice is very much yours as to where I place and I feed my mind. But if I will allow God to renew it, if I will allow God to transform it, now I'm going to begin to perceive things differently. I mean, again, the old, pe the old what did the old mind? It saw people, yes, uh, but it generally saw people as a means to an end, you know. Uh, someone that can help me or someone that can oppo will oppose me. And I would either, either resent them or bless them accordingly. I know that sounds harsh, doesn't it? But you look at the world. If a relationship is good for me, I stay in it. If a relationship is not benefiting me, then I get out of it. That's how the world does it. But the new mind sees the person, doesn't it? The new mind sees the person, and okay, they might be a grouch, and they might be undesirable, but the new mind sees the person as someone that maybe, someone I can help, someone I can serve. Remember what we are created for? Remember what this body is designed to do? It's to serve, serve God as we serve others. The new mind recognises things so very differently. The new mind recognises money and material, material things and sees that they can never, ever truly meet my real need. Just as a, just as a you know, uh, uh, just, just as personal recognition is replaced by the desire to glorify and honour God. You know, where once it was just, I, I, I've done, I did a funeral the other day. You know, and the old man's already, always ready to jump up. I've done a couple this week. I did one the other day, and the next day I got a phone call from the daughter of the person that, I, uh, that we had the funeral for, and she said to me, she answered, I answered the phone, she said, Hi, Chris, and uh, she said, thanks for, the, thanks for yesterday, you were the star. <laughs> right. 
they heard Zach's words, you were the star. You know what my flesh did? I'm the star. You know, it's always wanting to rise up. It's always looking for that, again, for that personal recognition. But the new mind, the mind in Christ, you know, it's all about glorifying and honouring God, you know. The transformed mind also, you know, and it doesn't take everything personally. This is something I noticed about the, the transformed mind, you know. I, I learned that not everything is about me, as Christ is changing me. And, and it's wonderful, you know, because then I'm not always offended. I'm not always being tripped up by my own sensitivities, you know. So the Spirit of God does his work each and every day. I begin to see just how utterly, and if you haven't experienced this, you need to, just how utterly self-centered I can be, you know. So let it begin is what we're saying, is what I'm saying, is what Paul is saying. You know, the word he uses there is metamorphosized. You know, it's that, it's that change, it's that gradual change from the inward to make something truly beautiful and glorious. Beauty and glory of our God, you know. If I will allow this to take place, if I will present my body as a living, holy sacrifice, if I will commit my mind to the word of God, then verse 2 so wonderfully says that I may prove what is the good and the acceptable and perfect will of God. Who doesn't want to know that? Who doesn't want to know that, you know? Surely there is no higher priority than to know God's perfect will for my life. Surely there's no higher priority, you know? He says the idea, he says to prove the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. It's far more than just knowing, but to prove, the idea is to carry it out unto completion. It's that ongoing process as, we, as God is, 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 is proving his will, the good and the acceptable, perfect will of God. It's not just me convincing myself that this is the best way. Yeah, it's knowing this is the best way and that has been proved out in my life as I, in, hum- in, in humble obedience, honour him, worship him, follow his leading, allow him to transform my mind and I prove it. It's proved out in my life. It's this beginning And it's this moving forward unto completion. It's a process that's going to happen each and every single day of our lives. One that starts with that consecration. It's now, Lord, I want to be about you. The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is the will of God. Even your sanctification. What does that mean? You being set apart. That you should abstain, he says, from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his should know how to possess his vessel again in sanctification and in honor. It begins here, people. It begins here. It begins right now. It begins in this place. Every day, let us say, Lord, here I am, I'm yours. Here I am, I'm yours. This body, these hands, these feet, these eyes, this heart, everything about it, and give it to him. This mind, Lord God, it's yours. Let his word challenge you. Ask him every day. Ask him every day, Lord God, lead me. 
Ask him every day, Lord God, guide me. And know this, if you pray that prayer with sincerity in your heart, know that the path that he's going to lead you on and guide you on is going to be a righteous one. It's going to be a holy one. So what you're going to be doing is you're going to be making righteous decisions. You're going to be making holy decisions, choosing holiness. And I want to just begin. Just begin. We begin. Remember that God who is faithful is progressively leading you. Remember the God that is faithful is progressively changing you. Remember the God that is faithful is progressively proving his good and acceptable and perfect will for your life. So just begin. Just begin. I've seen too many people that say, Lord, just show me the way. Lord, just speak to my heart with no intention of choosing righteousness. I see people who say, Lord, just give me a break. Just give me a break. And at the same time, choosing the wrong direction. I've I've heard so many times I've heard people pray and say things like, Lord, why does it not work out for me? Why, Lord? With no intention of following him or choosing him. It's insanity, isn't it? That's insanity. I know we don't quote Einstein a whole lot here, but it was Einstein that said that's that's the definition of insanity. If something is not working, you just keep on doing it. (laughs) Uh, What works is giving your life to your creator, the one who designed you to serve people, to honour him. Amen. Shall we begin? Just begin. I've written down a couple of verses. Um, uh, I just want to read these and we'll pray. And uh, we'll have some curry. But more importantly, we'll go to the beach um, to make a, for Mariah to make a statement. If anyone else here has not been baptised, um, please come and see me after the service. If you, if you know this morning God's been speaking to your heart, and you think it's time for a new beginning? You think it's time to say to this world and to this God that you serve, that you're all about him? If you think for too long you've been all about yourself, trying to do it your own way, and you know it hasn't been working out, it's time to make a beginning, a new start. And uh, no better place than in the waters of baptism if you're a child of God. Amen? Uh, I'm going to turn to Philippians chapter 1. And I just want to read This is the Apostle Paul speaking in verse 20. He said, "According to my earnest expectations and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified. Here it is in my body." whether by life or by death for to for to me excuse me for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain but if i live on in the flesh this will mean fruit from my labors yet what i shall choose i cannot tell 
for I am hard pressed between two heart to have excuse me for I am hard pressed between the two having a desire to depart and be with Christ which is far better nevertheless to remain in the flesh is more needful for you can you hear this man's heart can you hear that he is someone that's made a decision that his life is not about himself but his life is about honoring God I'd rather leave and be with Christ, which is far better, he says, for me, but for you, no. And being confident of this, that I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. I'm here for a purpose, he says. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and this will be it for this morning Um, it says in verse 19 or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God and you are not your own for you were brought at a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are whose? Which are God's. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your precious word.